the more we dug into it, we kept seeing that, you know, these charges were having an impact on, on retention because students were being separated from our institution for unpaid balances that were not tied to any sort of academic fee. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. This episode, I'll be talking with Megan Carr, director of the cashier's office at the University of Missouri. We'll discuss their solution to stop unnecessary fees from showing up on the student account and the benefits of a payment platform for multiple channels. Hi, Megan. Thanks for being our guest today. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Heather. I know that now more than ever, student retention is a priority for all campuses. And when you joined Mizzou, that was one of your first challenges. Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, so shortly after joining Mizzou in 2015, I started working with my leadership team in my department um, to see what was kind of working or not working here in the department, um, specifically, you know, aspects related to the student account. Um, a reoccurring theme that kept popping up is that there were over 150 different line items that were on the student account that were outside the traditional tuition, course fees, mandatory fees, room board, parking, et cetera. Wow. And so as we started, right, <laughs> so as we started to dig into those fees, we discovered that um, they, there was not a consistent time period to which those fees were being applied to the student account. And so, um, they were essentially coming on um, later in the semester. So, for example, let's say the student was at an event in August, swiped their ID card. Well, those charges didn't come over on the student account until maybe October or November, um, so either the third or the last bill of the semester. And so students were not realizing, obviously, um, you know, that those charges hadn't come onto their account, and when they did come onto the account, they probably forgot that they needed to pay a bill. And so the trickle-down effect was essentially, you know, past due holds being placed on accounts, which then stopped these students from being able to register for future semesters or get a transcript um, due to an unpaid balance. And so the more we dug into it, we kept seeing that, you know, these charges were having an impact on, on retention because students were being separated from our institution for unpaid balances that were not tied to any sort of academic fee. Wow. So it sounds like your student account was really acting as a holding account for all these charges on campus. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, it was. Um, we had charges that were tied to almost anything and everything. Um, we had non-academic materials that could be purchased through the bookstore as far as like sweatshirts, or we have a lovely Clinique counter in our bookstore that students could purchase items through, um, also various activities or events that were happening across campus. And so students were just freely swiping their ID card um, and essentially had an open line of credit, and these charges would then feed onto their student account. And, you know, students may forget that they had done that, or mom and dad were quite surprised when they would eventually get the bill and see these charges out there. And so it was just kind of um, obviously causing more concern than anything. So, Megan, was there a subset of students that these account charges affected? Um, actually, it was open to all students. So um, any student that was enrolled and had an ID card essentially could swipe or participate in um, purchasing any of these events or items at the different departments. Wow, so I can see how this become uh, a big problem pretty fast. <laughs> 
Right. Yes. Um, being a large campus, it, it quickly um, kind of spun out of control. <laughs> Absolutely. And so is this common practice to just be able to be buying anything on campus or not really buying anything on campus and putting on your student account? Unfortunately, it was a common practice here at Mizzou. Um, again, I joined in 2015. And so um, as I was talking through with my staff, we realized that this was this was an issue, but again, it was the culture um, of campus. It was a decision that had been made many years ago, um, mostly to have departments get out of handling cash. Um, so they shifted everything to the student account. But again, it was causing you know significant uh, retention issues as far as you know unpaid balances, not allowing students to go through um, to progress to future semesters. So we knew we needed to do something. Um, different to both help the institution as well as, you know, allow these students to, you know, keep progressing because our, you know, our end goal is to get them to graduation. Right. And it's really interesting. It's probably not a place that a lot of people would look first to say, where do we have a student retention problem? Oh, I bet it's the student account. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, my, my staff knew that it was an issue just because of the, the customer service aspects that it was causing. But then as we started to, you know, drill into, um, you know, more in-depth, you know, we started to see an issue and we started to get others from enrollment management involved and everyone was in, was in agreement like, yes, this this is something we need to fix, How? but how do we fix it? Right. <laughs> that so, was the problem. Yeah, so obviously you need to find that solution that allowed really these departments around campus to take their own real-time payments and not charge it to the student account. So how did you resolve that? Right, exactly, because, you know, we knew these activities or these charges that were coming over onto the student account, you know, had a revenue generating component to them. They, they were, it was money that departments were using to, you know, sustain their operation or provide other services. So we knew we just couldn't essentially cut, you know, these departments off at the knees. We needed to provide them with a platform that allowed them to continue um, accepting these charges or these payments for these various events or activities, but not necessarily be on the student account. We wanted to make sure and separate the student account um, from, you know, non-academic related fees. We wanted to keep the student account as clean um, as possible, focusing it mostly on tuition and any mandatory fees, room, board, parking but the other miscellaneous fees needed to go somewhere else. So um, I've had previous experience working with Marketplace and TouchNet at other institutions that I was at. And so um, knowing the background that I came from, I knew that there were other solutions out there that we could use as a storefront concept um, for these departments. So we started to put together a business case um, and started to explore what the options were on the market. And we everything kept pointing back to TouchNet and Marketplace. And so it took us a little while to um, essentially get all of the necessary stakeholders on board and present our business case and explain why we needed to move forward with this. Um, but eventually we landed on Marketplace was going to be the best solution for our campus. That's great. And it really allows all your departments to have their own storefront and be able to take their own payments and then also makes the student pay right then and there, right? Right, exactly. Um, and one aspect that um, we liked about Marketplace is that 
they had the um, the TouchNet Ready functionality that we had a lot of departments that had, you know, a front-end software system that worked best for their needs, but we just needed to figure out how to get that payment piece connected instead of having it go through the student account. And so the, um, the TouchNet Ready partner aspect is really something that um, helped um, our business case. Oh, that's great. And do you know how many different TouchNet Ready partners are you connected into right now? Um, we are currently connected into two TouchNet Ready partners, and we have one more in the pipeline that we should be bringing on board in the next three months. That's great. And I know that when you made this decision, it was really for all four campuses. So how are you managing that? It, it was. So essentially, Mizzou, um, being the flagship campus of the University of Missouri system, um, and that's you know where my position is at. I was looking at it specifically from my campus's point of view, but as we rolled out the business case, we started to learn that the other campuses in the UM system also had a need for marketplace. And so um, our UM system controller's office and our vice president of finance made the decision um, in conjunction with the other campuses that marketplace is something that we could operate as a shared service, um, essentially, you know, keeping the cost relatively revenue neutral and, you know, having it um, centralized from an operational standpoint. So once we um, decided to move forward with purchasing TouchNet, we also started to implement a shared services model. So allowing, um, essentially, we've, had, we've created one dedicated um, full-time position that lives centrally here on the Columbia campus but supports the other three campuses in the UM system. And so we've been able to roll that out. Um, and to date, we've had, and I want to make sure everybody knows this, we just went live with Marketplace back in March of, this, uh, March of 2019. So to date, we've brought on board about 50 U stores and or UPay sites, two TouchNet Ready partners. Um, and within the next three months, we think we're going to bring on board about another 15 U stores or UPay sites and one more TouchNet Ready partner. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> It has. We've been very busy. <laughs> right. So you have the one dedicated resource to really help, but in those different storefronts and, and UPay sites, is there somebody else on each of those campuses also managing it uh, from an ongoing daily basis? So the approach that we have taken is that we have created like a train-the-trainer mentality. So we've got one staff member who's dedicated, and, and due to the volume, we've, we've brought on board another support staff that helps about 50% of the time with bringing the storefronts, um, creating the storefronts or the UPay sites. But then once they're live, we essentially train the department on how to manage their, their storefront because we really want them to own, to own this. And as they move forward with going live, we're just here as a resource to answer any questions or help them pull reports that they may need. That's great. That's a good way of doing it. The train the trainer approach is always best, right? <laughs> right. Yes. And for our volume, that was really the only way that we could, uh, we, it seemed feasible to us to, to manage this. Absolutely. Well, and I know that implementing Marketplace actually helped to resolve that student account issue, but at the same time, it really helped to teach students an important life lesson, right? Right, exactly. And so that, um, that was kind of another theme that was happening here on our campus is we wanted um, to teach the students, students more financial responsibility. Um, you know, previously we had this open line of credit, so to speak, where students could just freely swipe their ID card and then pay for it later. But now where we're shifting the focus with Marketplace is that we want students to, you know, maybe think twice about what they're purchasing and, you know, and certainly not discouraging them from 
making any purchases, but you know, be mindful of what can they and can't they afford? Because again, we want to set them up for success after college. And so have you seen an increase in retention then when you made these changes? Um, I believe so. I actually haven't pulled, you know, specific numbers because I've been so <laughs> um, head deep in the marketplace implementation. I haven't been able to pull specific numbers. But, you know, anecdotally, I feel like we've seen seen an increase because our, our past due holds are less. Um, we're not essentially having the, the customer service calls that my office was um, initially. So I, you know, I feel like we've made steps in the right direction and, and hopefully the data would support that. That's great. And so that was the problem you were trying to solve. But at the same time, you also were able to solve a PCI compliance problem, too. So how has this move to marketplace helped in your compliance efforts? Right. So again, still, you know, newly working on marketplace and all of our initiatives. But, you know, long term, our plan is to make TouchNet, um, you know, the primary payment gateway for e-commerce operations across the University of Missouri system. Um, We've got some ways to go, but we're hoping that we can push everything into TouchNet and, you know, create a better SAQ process or a PCI compliance process for those departments. Because right now we've got um, 20 total payment gateways, so 19 outside of TouchNet. And so we've got some opportunity <laughs> um, to transition more departments over to TouchNet over the course of time. But um, I'm optimistic that we'll get there. Right. But you already reduced some of your different applications and payment gateways just as you consolidated into the storefronts, Right. Right, we absolutely did, and so a lot of departments that were, you know, have, were both taking um, in-person payments or had a um, an online presence through the student account, they've essentially gotten out of those in-person payments and have shifted more of their focus to the online. So that's obviously um, decreased the number of questions that they have to answer yearly. Um, since we've went live with Marketplace um, again back on March first, we've processed over $1.6 million. And that was through March 1st through October 31st of this year. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I know you were also saying that you really want to take this more of a platform approach and have a single entity for captioning your payments. You want to talk a little bit about that and how it reduced your scope? Yes. Um, so we're trying, again, to, you know, have everything go through TouchNet as, as much as we can um, because it, if we are only working with one specific vendor, then obviously that's less work um, that, that we have as, you know, from a treasury standpoint because I will admit I'm, I'm not the one that has to do PCI compliance here on <laughs> across the UM campus that lives elsewhere. Um, but again, working with them, we, we just we knew that there's opportunity to have TouchNet as, you know, the primary preferred gateway. That's great. But it sounds like a lot of change and, you know, really a short amount of time. Were there any obstacles to transitioning from charging these student accounts to departmental storefronts and implementing everything? Uh, always. <laughs> uh, um, I would say probably the biggest hurdle, and we knew this going into it, um, is that in, in higher education, we as institutions sometimes don't move as quickly as we would like for multiple reasons. And so we, my office knew that any changes that we were going to make, it was going to take some time to 
you know, create the business proposal, show the need on why we need a new, a new platform, as well as just engage all of the different stakeholders. And so that was probably the biggest challenge, just getting the right people in the room, making sure they understood what we were trying to do, get get buy-in. Um, once we knew that this was going to be a system-wide um, shared service solution, then having to get the other campuses on board. And so all of that really took about two years to do. Um, but one everybody was on board, then we were able to move pretty quickly. We were able to, um, you know, get the contract negotiated, signed, and start our implementation. Yeah, that's great. And so who were the various stakeholders that needed to be involved to make this happen? Oh, this this ranged from the business office. So um, each of the directors, my counterparts um, in the in the business office, as well as the the CFOs on each of the campuses. We also wanted to make sure and have conversations with enrollment management to get their support on why we were taking things off of the student account, the different departments, um, and then this, eventually it, it landed at the the system um, level for the vice president of finance to um, you know have the conversation with the CFOs and. Re- an agreement to move forward. Yeah, that's the most important thing. The enrollment management piece, it may be something that you don't always think about, but that's really essential when it comes to students and, and how you're working with them, right? Right, exactly. I mean, obviously, we're all here for the students, and we want to keep doing what's best for them. Um, but we we just knew that, um, you know, this is an issue. And it's, when I first joined Mizzou, I actually had ran into um, – someone within enrollment management and, you know, they were like, you, you know about your student charge issue, right? And I'm like, I'm learning more. So it was something that, that people were aware of and it wasn't, you know, necessarily the best practice. But again, um, we've been able to resolve that. Right. Well, I think, you know, having 150 different light items, everyone probably looked at it like, oh, how are we going to make this better? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it really just took, you know, dedication from my staff um, and also, you know, the support that I had from um, my division um, to you know, to move forward with making these changes. That's great. So any other advice that you have to give other campuses looking to make any type of process improvement changes? Oh, gosh. Um, be willing to dig in. <laughs> And, um, you know, be patient that it, it's, it's going to take time to eventually resolve. And um, my personality, I'm always wanting to get things done, um, you know, um, most efficiently and as quickly as possible. But that's sometimes not realistic. And so I had to be mindful of that. So my best um, advice is just, you know, be patient. And if you're, um, you know, really gung-ho and, and feel like it's, this is the right move, it, it will happen. That's great. Great advice on that. Well, thanks so much, Megan, for all your insights today on taking a different approach to ensure student retention while teaching financial responsibility. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.